and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marlow. I am Kyle O'Kara. Marlow, today we have Bates Down South. We do. Something that we have been, I don't want to say that we've been putting it off, <laughs> but kind of, a little bit. I, this was, I wanted to do this one, so before anybody starts coming at me. This was my idea. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And and I'm I'm so glad we learned so much. It is an interesting subject. I don't want to turn people off to the idea yeah. of claimed national championships. We are looking for the three most egregious in the history of the SEC. And yes. that in itself is a very interesting topic. Doing all the research for it and trying to figure out which poll gave this team that national championship and why this team claimed this national championship sucks. Why this poll was a thing. Litkin House. That, I mean, <laughs> there's like, because there's, well, that one, there was two that were the most egregious, and I wish I would have saved the other one. I'm trying to, because you know I wrote them all down. The cold um, matrix of unbiased. No, the, I've always hated that one. That's the one from the dentist that gave, uh, what do you call it? They UCF. gave UCF the title. But my least favorite was, it started with a B, and they, they went back, it's like a. Billingsley. A, I think it's Billingsley, and they, what they did was he had a computer system of some sort there he, where he went back and then retroactively anointed national champions from years past. Oh, there's a lot of those. There's several organizations who did that. There's a total of 21 publications who have claimed a national championship. And to think, for so long, for so freaking long, we just let random polls decide national championships and yeah. all that stuff. It's baffling to look back on this and realize how big of a mess it is. Mm -hmm. And to understand that the NCAA had, I I thought at the time, they made life on themselves too difficult for way, way, way too long. And in turn, they made life difficult on us here in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't, I want to say that, I mean, what what could they do? Like, if you're going to claim a national title, you're going to claim a national title. Yeah, but um, at the same time, it's like yeah, they, they should have regulated it somehow a little bit better. And and we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, where there was there was one uh, there was one year I guess where it was like I think it was Tennessee where they they had to they had to play in the Orange Bowl against Nebraska, right? Ninety seven, right? And and there was like some stipulations like right, well if they win and so and so loses, they automatically become the national champion. It was like. How is that like? Why, why are there so many weird rules in place? Why don't we just have something that's like universal and standard? Anyway. Bizarre, bizarre. So we will get to that entire debate, but before we really dig into that, let's talk a little bit of draft stuff um, yeah. because we talked about the first round in Casual Friday, but we didn't really get a chance to rehash. And I wanted to be able to address some of the things that 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 played out in a way that isn't like Danny Canal, who. Um, Danny Canelo oh, did not, he did not have the best day on Twitter because of how do how do I want to say this gently? He put his foot in his mouth and then could admit that he put his foot in his mouth. Somebody else did that this weekend too, and didn't get in as much trouble. But did you do that or did I do that? No, I'm not gonna get it. wasn't It wasn't anybody about sports. Oh, okay, go on. Right. Um, it was a it was a joke. I thought I, I thought I sent you a text about it, but never mind. Um, inside joke there. He so DK did. He put his foot in his mouth pretty badly. Um, I texted him after everything happened on Saturday, and I was like, "Hey man, <laughs> what was this? <laughs> like, what happened here?" Uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that. That's all I wanted to say about that. We like said that the SEC 
was paying the paying players essentially. And that, yeah. that tweet, if you go back and look at it, and I don't want to butcher the wording of it, but it was like, okay, you're you're insinuating that they're buying players. There's no other way. I and think he, he said they buy the best players. Yeah, they buy the best players and whatever. I mean, the SEC ends up having 63 players drafted. If if everybody is buying players, then I mean, I guess according to Canal, the SEC is still doing the best of it of anybody, but. 14 years in a row that the SEC has the most draft picks selected. I was thinking about this. You could be in high school and not know any other way of life than the SEC leading with the most draft picks. Yeah, that's true. 14 years. I mean, it's 14, 14 years in a row. And I mean, the first, like, we talked about it a little bit after the first round. The first round was ridiculous. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. But what was, what was really cool about this was it seemed like every step of the way, there was some awesome and unique record that was set. And the last year it was pretty cool too because we had, you know, last year we had stuff like Mississippi State had three first rounders. I think it was tied for the most it ever had in school history or it was the most in school history. Then you have, you know, Bama had the third straight year of 10 plus kids drafted. Um, this year, LSU having tying the record with 14 total draft picks. That's, and they it's had insane. 10. Through the first, like the, the craziest thing that stood out to me was besides people that we're going to talk about in a second who weren't drafted, but the fact that you had LSU had 14 and Bama and LSU had 10 and 9 in the first three rounds alone, I think they said 18 of the first 87 picks were from Bama and LSU. So basically over 20% of the first 87 picks of the draft were from Bama and LSU. 166 picks happened before Jake Fromm was picked. Okay. Now, let me come clean here, because this was uh, an interesting topic of conversation with our frenemy, Jordan Rogers, who we yeah. might have convinced to come on the podcast. TBA. I'm hoping so. TBA. He, he did like one of those public agreements to come on, yeah. but that's, it's like saying, haven't you're going to, yeah, it's like saying you're going to have lunch with somebody in LA. Like, all right, let's, right. let's actually, let's, let's make it happen first before we, we actually make dinner plans. Yeah, sure. Um, but the Fromm stuff and the way that it unfolded with him falling to the fifth round, a lot of people were taking victory laps. A whole lot of people. By the way, hate that. That sucks. Yeah, like that's fair. For, for it's, a kid it's tough who's, for him. It is tough for him. And like to, I, I don't get the, I never, ever, ever, ever will understand the, like why you are rooting for a kid to continue to fall in the draft. Like that, that makes, even watching Aaron Rodgers fall in the draft 15 years ago watching that back like I feel bad for yep. Aaron Rodgers even though as a Bears fan I don't have a sympathetic bone for him in my body right. but watching from fall everybody continues to ask the questions why is this continuing to happen should we have seen this coming everybody is of course is being like he should have come back to school obviously you look at that yeah. number and you say he was picked four picks later than Aaron Murray something I never thought would happen and I was dead wrong on that dead wrong we had met yeah. more on this podcast saying that he wouldn't be surprised if Jake Fromm you know before the start of the 2019 season he wouldn't be surprised if he would be drafted ahead of Tua so yes I'll eat crow on that all day you should I am still not selling my Jake Fromm stock Oh my gosh. As crazy How? as that sounds. Because of, okay, so for a couple of reasons, I realize he has small hands and he's going to Buffalo and you, they, everybody says you need to have big hands. I'm also still not sold on Josh Allen. So maybe that's kind of rooted in that. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm of the belief that Jake Fromm was hurt significantly. Josh Allen took him to the playoffs this year, right? 
I mean, Rex Grossman took the Bears to a Super Bowl. Let's not let's not get into I just mean, the the if you can't judge a quarterback strictly by wins, as Jake Fromm knows all too well. There's more to it yep. than just than just the wins thing. The Fromm stuff and the way that everything unfolded made me think. You know what? The stuff of the combine that happened sucked. Going right after or right before Jacob Eason. And seeing the noticeable difference between the arm strength, Jacob Eason, who also fell yeah. in the draft, but did not fall as far as Fromm. The thing that Fromm was going to have in his back pocket during this process was sitting down with a billion different teams and showing mm-hmm. them all that he could do with diagnosing and off, with diagnosing what a defense is doing to him and his classroom ability, his leadership, those traits, because of the travel limitations, those weren't there. Do I think that hurt right. his... his his draft stock overall? Yeah. Would he have yeah. been a, a second-round pick if he had been able to go on these visits? No. But I think that that prevented a team from falling in love with him. And if you're not going to take a quarterback in the first couple rounds like that, you're like, all right, well, I don't really need this guy quite yet. And the Bills even admitted, like, look, we weren't planning on drafting Jake Fromm, but he was just kind of sitting there late. Right. And we're like, yeah, why not? May as well. I So at the victory lap thing, you're right. Like, that's tough to watch fans do that over a, for a kid. Where I thought was funny, and I'm not going to apologize for, is the UGA fans that came out of the woodwork in terms of just defiantly defending this kid after, like, you know, Jake Fromm, you know, he's always been a, a, a great quarterback. Blah, blah. Like, how many Georgia fans have we heard over the years that wanted him gone, that wanted him not to be the starter over Justin Fields, that we you need to make sure that Fields gets more playing time because of whatever reason? We heard that repeatedly, and I, I just thought it was shocking that you let this kid go. He then becomes a, what, a fifth-round draft pick, and you have the, the guy that he replaced, Eason, he was, he was drafted higher, and then you have the other kid, Justin Fields, who's like a bona fide top-five pick in the draft for next year. I just thought it was, it, it said a lot to me about, I don't, if you're, a, if you're a high school quarterback and you're an elite prospect, how are you going to Georgia and justifying that Kirby Smart is going to make the right decision to put you in a, a position to succeed? He, he, he kept the worst quarterback of the three that, like, okay, but, in, in terms of the NFL. Okay, but here's here's what I don't like about that and using this like revisionist history to be like, well, they 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 were so stupid to continue to start from. Like I've said this multiple times on the podcast, and this this frustrates me. It's like it is different to lead a, a team to a national championship when you are at a place like Georgia, when you haven't yep. won since 1980, and when you do that as a true freshman, you're not just going to be like, oh, Justin Fields, I love what you're doing in camp. You're going to start ahead of Jake Fromm. That wasn't oh, no, going to happen. Agree. That's not my question. My question is, if you're an elite prospect going there, how do you justify that Kirby's going to put you in the right position to succeed? Because if you're Justin Fields or you're a five-star quarterback, this is two five-stars. Like, Eason was the number one. I know Kirby didn't recruit Eason, but Eason was the, the Gatorade National Player of the Year and a five-star quarterback. They had three. And, and so Fromm was a five-star in some publications, and, and Fields was like unanimous one-two with Trevor Lawrence. So if you're a five-star quarterback, they, what, I'm not saying that they should have started over him at all. What I'm saying is how do you justify, if you're an elite prospect at quarterback, going to Athens and thinking Kirby's going to put you in the right position to succeed and not hand the football off to somebody else? They have a new offense. That's my answer to that. And it took too long, in my opinion. took took definitely took too long. Yeah. They should have modernized that offense. They didn't necessarily have a reason to when, when Chubb and Michelle were still there because it's like you've got this all-world offensive line. You've got two of the, the better backs True. of the SEC in the 21st century, why wouldn't you build your team around them and not tr- right. try and take pressure off of this true freshman quarterback, which they had in consecutive years, by the way, in 2016 and 2017. 
I think that delayed some of this. Some of this desire to modernize the offense, something that Bama had to do during the 2010s. LSU mm-hmm. did it during the 2010s. Everybody has had to do it. Georgia was late to the party in doing that. And now, with Jamie Newman, this is their proof of concept for that offense and what it could potentially look like. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not I'm not definitely saying that Fromm would have succeeded had he stayed and all of a sudden played in an air raid offense. I'm not just saying that right. it was the system that prevented him from getting to where, you know, we, we thought it was possible, but Fair. you've seen you've seen a change in system and what that can do for how we perceive things and how quickly that happened at LSU. And LSU's the outlier. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Georgia is not going to do what LSU did. I am not saying that. But it just goes to show you your surroundings have to be right. And if your surroundings mm-hmm. aren't right, and if you're in a, a quarterback who's not in the right position, you know what? This can happen. This can happen no yeah. matter how talented we think you are, you know, as a true freshman or whatever. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, again, if, if we're just talking about, like, from, I, I said this on the podcast too, Fromm was the right guy for that team, especially in 2017 when they went to the national championship game. Like, he was the right guy for what they uh, don't, were doing in that Don't offense. forget about Stetson Bennett, the fourth, all right? Stetson, oh, my God, the best DUI lawyer money can buy. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, he was the right guy, I think, especially for that team. And, and what he did, like, it shouldn't go, it shouldn't go, like, what's the best way to put it? Not unnoticed, but, like, misremembered in, in Athens or in UGA history. Because what mm-hmm. he did for that program is he's one of the best quarterbacks that I think to ever come through there. That being said, I'm just, from, from strictly a recruiting standpoint, that's where, it, like, it's going to be very easy to recruit against Kirby on that on that note until we see what happens this season with the new offense. By the way, they already have mock drafts out for next year, and Jamie Newman is 12th uh, in the Walter Football <laughs> mock draft first round. I saw yeah, Matt they had Miller. A, go ahead. Matt Miller has Justin Fields at like 14, which was stunning. Stunning. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, that, that is that is kind of surprising. He had um, I see. I should have just trusted his a little bit more because I think he had one, two, three. He had eight SEC players in the first round, or the Bleacher Report one did. Um, the Walter Football one had. This is good counting. By fifteen. You. Oh, fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Ironically enough, uh, and the, there were some players that like that I don't even know have played. Uh, they had Richard LeCount though, top ten. Your boy. You know I love it. He's gonna be your ride. Uh, seamless transition. I, I said it last year, that J.R. Reed wasn't the best safety on his own team. I didn't think he wasn't going to be drafted. I I was surprised by that, and I I'll, I'll be honest, one hundred percent, hand up. I forgot about him. I forgot about him during yeah. the draft process because I think about what a great career he had in the three years that he spent there. Kind of atypical guy for the Kirby Smart era. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a transfer to come in and do the things that he did. Somebody who wasn't highly regarded, you know, coming out of high school or anything like that, but. I, I was surprised that with his ball skills and what with, with what we've seen from him from a coverage standpoint, which we saw how much that was valued in this draft, mm-hmm. I was surprised that he wasn't drafted. I, safeties just aren't valued in the same way that they used to be. Maybe that's no. that's part of it. I don't know. But that, that was that was one of the head scratchers. You had a good list of SEC guys who did not get drafted who you thought would. Yeah, so Kale Garrett, Mizzou, Dejon Harris from Arkansas, J.R. Reed, Rodrigo Blankenship, still like, shocking to me. Um, very surprised about that one. The uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head because I don't have it. I don't have the Lawrence Cager. There's another one. Yeah, I, so I didn't have him. I wasn't as surprised because the, the tape on him wasn't. I guess there wasn't that much you could go off of, and like some of their bigger games, he wasn't involved in. Um, let's see, like towards the end of the season. Uh, I heard at the end of the season, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 
I'm trying to think of who else I had on there. They had not anybody from Bama, not anybody from Auburn. The Nick Coe thing sucks. Yeah, that does suck. That does suck. I always feel bad for, for a guy like that who was projected, as we said, in mocking the mocks last week, a, a first-round first guy, rounder. according to, to McShay, which I, it was egregious. But what about Jared yeah. Bankney? That's another guy. Jared, who, so I, Kalijah Lipscomb was the one for me. That's the one that oh, I was yeah. really surprised about because that kid, Pinkney had like some, I'm not saying character issues, but he had some issues that were He had beef with the coaching up. staff, yeah. Right. So that one wasn't as surprising. But, yeah, the, like the two guys from, like when I saw at the end, like, Vandy only had one player drafted. I was pretty shocked by that. Keyshawn uh, Vaughn going to the Bucks, third round pick. Right. How about that? Excited yeah. to see what, what good old Sneak Vaughn, a.k.a. Black Mamba, can do. Red Mamba, not uh, Black Mamba. Thad Moss. That was... That was one of those things where I was sitting there in the fifth round and I couldn't believe that he still hadn't been picked yet. Did not think he'd be undrafted. And everybody's coming out of the woodwork being like, yeah, of course he wasn't drafted. He was undersized and he really only had like a couple good games. I get that. Steven Sullivan getting drafted ahead of Thad Moss. Can't the say long snapper. saw that The coming. long snapper yeah. getting drafted. I mean, so the, the craziest thing about LSU, honestly, was looking at the end of that draft, and they had 14 players drafted, ties an all-time record for, for the modern draft era. Like the thing that stood out to me the most, they could have had more. They should have had more. Yeah. Like Michael Divinity wasn't drafted. Oh, Dad yeah. Moss wasn't drafted. Um, I tell you what, Scotty Phillips from from Ole Miss had, had a little say... bit of a down year though. Had a down year in yeah. that backfield. Did not necessarily emerge. Jerry Neely was the better player. Right. By, like he was by far the best player in that backfield. Not the yeah. best tape on him this year. Um, and then last, well, not last necessarily, but uh, Courtney Davis. Yeah, A and M received that. I mean, because he left early, right? I tweeted this out. Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers both went undrafted. Two A&M receivers who different skill sets, and they haven't necessarily had that like that big thousand yard season or anything like that. And they've A&M is I, I think in the last few years really I don't want to say what's nah, basically since Christian Kirk left, they've kind of struggled to find that true number one go to receiver. Mm-hmm. And those two guys had they stayed. I think we're talking about this AM offense in a different way coming back into 2020. We're like, that's that's a big deal. And all of a sudden, AM yeah. is relying on a lot of, and I know they have Jamon Ospin, it's still there, but they're relying on a lot of young guys to really step up and become playmakers. And if those guys had stayed in school, man, that, that's that, yeah. that's big in the SEC. That's that's a good point. I think, uh, th- like, the the players, players leaving early and then going completely undrafted. I know Auburn's punter left, I, and I kind of I, I laughed at this a little bit because it was like a punter leaving early. To be fair, he was 27. Yeah, so, no, I saw that too. And he's, yeah. he'd been like in like professional, I don't know, like rugby leagues or whatever it was for like years and years and years. Um, real quick, just going over who some of the names for next year, and then we'll get into the the debate down south. So this is from Walter Football again, okay? And and the only reason I I have heard of Walter Football is because. I'm pretty sure they're at the top of every Google search ever. Every uh, Google my... search ever. Why is it's it? It's crazy. Why? I, I, I mean, that's, I'm pretty sure that site crashed my computer like four times last week. But yes. they also, 24-7 Sports, uh, they did a piece on like interviewing them, like going over each pick. So this is what Walter Football has. And then I'll tell you what Bleacher Report, uh, some of the other names Bleacher Report had that Walter didn't. Jamar Chase, seven. Jalen Waddle, ninth. Mm. Richard LeCount was 11, not 10. Patrick Sertain, 12 from Bama. Um, Jamie Newman, the new Georgia quarterback, 13th. Uh, Devonta Smith, the receiver from Bama, 14th. Trey Smith, the offensive lineman from Tennessee, at 15, which I love. I absolutely love that. Would have been a first-rounder uh, this year, possibly, had he passed all the, the physicals and stuff like that. Right. Um, so hoping that kid can stay healthy for next year. 17, Alex Leatherwood, the tackle from Bama. 
18, Seth Williams from uh, from Auburn, the receiver. Interesting. 19, Josh Job, the defensive back from Bama. Okay, we'll see about that. Bama um, bias, am I right? Yeah, I'm like, I was like, what? <laughs> Who's, who is Josh Job? Um, 20, Israel Mukuamu yeah. from South Carolina. South Carolina, Carolina had three had picks in Georgia. Yeah, there you go. Um, 21, Cade Mays, the guard from Tennessee. Okay. Uh, and then 23, quarterback Kellen Mond. 24, LeBron Ray, which I was screaming all year this year if he was healthy, uh, defensive end at Bama. People don't talk um, about the injuries enough. They don't. And then 27 was the offensive guard, Deontay Brown, for Bama. Huh. So right. we'll see about that. And the ones, and I actually like this list better, to be honest, from, uh, from Bleacher Report. It just, I was surprised. I, I have a hard time thinking there's only going to be eight picks in the first round from the SEC. I don't care how that sounds. This, to they be clear, also, this Bleacher Report one wasn't Matt Miller. It was a different one, right? Right. It was okay. a different one. Um, but they had, they had Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Patrick Sertain, Alex Leatherwood, and Israel Muakuamu. I gotta mm, sure. to say that. Uh, and the other three that they, they listed that were not in the Walter football one were Tyson Campbell, which I've been screaming about as well, uh, the cornerback from, from UGA, Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Bama, and then Quay Walker, which is the one I put in our uh, – he's the linebacker from Georgia that Jordan. I put in our uh, SDS roundtable. If there was somebody besides Lawrence or, or uh, Fields to be number one overall pick, it would probably be Campbell or, or Quay Walker. So yeah, that, that we had to do that for uh, for a roundtable of trying to come up with who from the SEC could be the number one overall pick next year. It yeah. sucks. It sucks because at the positions where you usually value that the most, which is you have to be in, in the 21st century, only three different positions have been drafted number one overall quarterback, That's edge crazy. rusher, and offensive tackle. And in the SEC, uh, quarterback and edge rushers, the returning guys at those positions, they're just yeah. not the household names yet. So I'm not going to no. sit here and say like, oh, this guy who had like three sacks last year for for Georgia is, is going to be the number one overall pick as an edge rusher. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not. So like that that exercise kind of sucked. I put Alex Leatherwood just as sort of a yeah. default thing, but being like, yeah, he's probably the guy that I would have the most confidence in. And some would say, oh, why not Jamar Chase? Receiver going to go number one overall? We really think a receiver's going to go number one overall? I haven't seen it overall? since 96. It's only happened three times in the modern draft era. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I didn't put Leatherwood because you and Adam already did put Leatherwood. So Ah, there we go. There you go. Um, all right, let's get to debates down south. Let's do it. All right. Again, this is the three most egregious claimed national titles by SEC programs. So what we're going to do here is, I, and I try to narrow this down as much as possible because this, is, this can get all over the place. Mm-hmm. I've, I found the 11 instances in which an SEC team claimed a national title that the NCAA does not recognize. And that right. is according to the NCAA website. Whatever they, they have on there in terms of, oh, a national title that's, that's recognized, sometimes they'll have multiple teams in there for a specific year, and that, that's what is able to indicate. So you cross-reference those. There are 11 instances that I found for SEC teams. Right. Bama's got two. Georgia's got one, Kentucky's got one, Ole Miss has two, Tennessee has four, which I tweeted and people what was that? Say that again. Tennessee has four. Has four. four. Wow. And, and AM, much to my surprise, only has one. So You know, my biggest takeaway just from hearing that was Alabama, who I've been told for, for years and years, I've been said it, it's been told a lot on our Facebook group. Um, they're the ones that have claimed almost every national championship before 1992. They were all fake. 
That's what I was told. Is that not that's not right? Okay, Tennessee Bama's, had double the amount. Wow. I, I would back off the the whole like Bama's not guilty of that. We're gonna get to some stuff later. Yeah, that's they not have the, the most egregious look. one. We all know that. But I'm but just saying. There's some I, just, other... I thought it was they were the they were always doing that. It was it was almost every single one of them. Hmm. Anyway, let's go. Let's get into it. You got that out of your system. You're good. I. It's gonna happen again. <laughs> Why was slash is this a debate? Claiming national titles is a weird concept to us in 2020. If a kid was born in an era that only had the BCS or the college football playoff, they would say, what? People can just claim national championships? All of these things happen so far after the fact because we have all this revisionist history. And the weird thing is, is that people like to debate it because it's people, people get defensive about it. If you tell somebody like, I sort of did this as a little bit of an experiment because I wanted to see the reaction. I'm not trying to be the provocateur, Danny Cannell stirring the pot. Right. Wasn't trying to do that, but I wanted to at least make mention of the oh, SEC has 11 claimed uh, unclaimed national championships or claimed national championships that aren't recognized by the NCAA. That's what I meant to say. And Tennessee has four of them. And I was curious what the reaction was going to be. And of course, Everybody is just all Tennessee fans are getting super, super defensive and they're telling me, oh, this school actually is this many and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, they immediately I, started attacking other schools instead of just addressing their own. That's crazy. Yes, yes. Or just saying I had one person say you're dead to me, which, you know, that's comes with the territory. I get that. That's, yeah, that's fine. Fair. But it kind of speaks to how people treat these national championships that we didn't see with our own two eyes. Right. And we don't have some sort of some sort of acknowledgement from the NCAA. And it creates this this weird friction between fan bases or even between the you know intra-fan base beef mm-hmm. that is different than anything that we really talk about in college football. And it seems so strange because it's a national championship that we're talking about here. Yeah, it, it, so it shouldn't be up for debate, you would think, right? Like, it, sh- it should just be that's the national championship. And it's weird, too, because this these, these help build narratives for, like, who, who are Blue Bloods in college football and yep. who are the best programs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I've always thought of Tennessee as a national, not a national Blue Blood, but a national powerhouse because when I was growing up, they dominated uh, everyone but Florida. They dominated my favorite team. They had Peyton Manning. They won a national championship. And, you know, we've talked about it before on here. There's a little run there from 97 to 2001 where they could have theoretically won like three national titles. And, and just things didn't fall their way. So I, I, I was, I've always thought of them as, as like a really good program. What a lot of people don't know is those six national championships, a lot of people don't know that Tennessee has the second most SEC championships mm-hmm. behind Alabama. And they have, they have like a, a you know, double digit, they, they, they have a lot of them. I, I was surprised at um, the amount of national championships that weren't recognized because I just kind of assumed, yeah, back in the 30s, they probably won those. But to be fair... What was going on in the 30s was absolute just <laughs> ridiculousness. It was just like a lawless, a lawless place where anybody could claim anything. And they tried, the NCAA had a period of, I think it was like 12 years, where the AP and the UPI were the only things that they would acknowledge. And then they sort of decided, ah, actually, these other, some of these other sites make some pretty decent claims for some yeah. of these teams. And what it created was, all of these these different organizations, 21 in total, as I said, who um, claimed national championships. And there are all these different acronyms that if you want to get yourself confused, 
NCF, UPI. UPI is the coach's poll for those people that don't know. Right, NFF. Like there's all these different things that'll just make you all sorts of confused. And there are people within athletic departments, SIDs, there are athletic directors who can just decide, oh, we're gonna acknowledge this all of a sudden. Jeff Sagarin, who I mm-hmm. definitely gonna mispronounce his name probably. Yeah. MIT grad who came up with a ranking system, and it was meant to ignore margin of victory, and it was used in the BCS formula, the ever mysterious BCS formula, right. from 1998 to 2014, and it was supposed to factor in quality of opponents and where a game was played. Now, what this did and what people like him did, and, you know, as we said, like the Billingsley report, all those different things, it allowed schools to be like, hey, this thing said that we won a national championship. Why don't we just try and be coy about this and just like kind of casually just claim it, just claim it. Yeah. Because that's that's why the thing that, yeah, why like why would you not, this, this, this person, this institution, this metric is giving you credit, why not take credit for it? And... As I brought up before, the, it's Coley or Collie, the bias-free Either metric. Either way, brands. yeah. CM is what the abbreviation yeah. is. If you go back and look up national championships and you see CM as the only abbreviation next to your national title, I hate to say it, but the odds are not are not in your favor. That was what allowed UCF to claim the 2017 title because CM gave them that. And also, Bama, when it, when it beat Notre Dame who did, in 2012, who did CM give the title to? Notre Dame, because why right. wouldn't it? So, and then 2016 and why, as well. This is why this is important. In when UCF fans, this, and this always pisses me off, because because this is what bothers me when, with how social media works nowadays too. It's like you can just say anything and it becomes something. So the whole thing about like, oh yeah, well you know like you're rent free in your head. Like you know no, what you did was you cheapened something that like all these other these other teams had won, and so saying that they won the national championship and they were actually. A, the national champion, quote unquote, in the Collie Matrix, which I'm pretty confident is something that's made up of dentists. I, like, I'm like almost positive. The website's from 1998, or at least it looks like it. I not to hate. I sorry if if if, if Collie's is if Co- listening. Collie's bias-free matrix. The website is straight up from 1998. God, even the colors are, and there's a bunch of number. What in the world? Like purple yeah. and black. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? That is awful. So and it still has a BCS. It, says, it still has a BCS symbol on the front right. That's like their only logo on the on the whole nice. thing. But when so when that, when that gets brought up and people then say, well, Bama claimed fake national championships, blah, blah blah, like they did it. Like it's it's hard to have an argument with somebody that's that's one irrational, and then two, if you're talking about something that happened in 1941 when all of these different publications, what, the Bama Championship 41 is wrong. But like to use that in an argument in 2017 and say, well, well, these people said that we won a national championship and th- the same group as the one that na- said Notre Dame was the national champion in 2012, it, it loses a little bit of its luster. It, like, it, it, or it just loses all of its like, validity. So, it, go ahead. We have evolved. We have changed. Yeah. Things are a little bit different. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to hammer 1941. We're going to hammer it. There's no doubt. But things have definitely changed in the way that we address national championships. But it has, because of all of the craziness that has unfolded in our desire to come up with this ranking system, that formula, and all these different things, it has created this sort of uh, purgatory uh, of these national championships that are just sitting there. And whether or not some acknowledge that is a different discussion. 
Marler, before we continue with this debate, what people were saying at the time and, and all that, can you tell us about our friends at BetOnline? Guys, get on over to BetOnline.ag today. There's no more NFL draft to bet on, but we did kill it with those prop bets. Uh, we, I think we hit on almost all the ones that we had. I think we hit on like five and six for the uh, first round prop bets for the NFL draft. There are still plenty of things you can gamble on. Uh, there's table tennis, which is becoming more and more popular. They actually have uh, a new thing that's actually taken off. Uh, I know Barstool does it. Um, it's betting on simulated Madden games. You can actually, if you're jonesing for some football, you can actually watch a full simulated game. It's NFL, but you can watch a full simulated game and you can gamble on it. So, and if that doesn't work, head on over to the poker tables. Join me. Win yourself some money. Go to betonline.ag today. They give you a 50% bonus, uh, and it's the easiest cash out and deposit imaginable. Um, I've, I've just I've already gotten my first check. Getting the second one tomorrow. I'm gonna keep this thing going. A little side job here. It's like driving for Uber, but way more fun. There Are you getting go. a second Peloton? <laughs> I might just to flex on y'all. Just get one for one for playing poker, and then one yeah. for uh, one, just one for you know standard exercise, all that That's stuff. Good idea. I like that. Okay, what people were saying at the time. In 2012, if you recall, A&M claimed the 1919 and the 1927 national titles. It made the rounds. Um, in 1919, that team actually didn't allow a point. It's, it's legit. It's legit. Yeah. Uh, the Billingsley Report in 1996 and uh, NCF retroactively, retroactively gave that team national titles. Okay. 1927, that team went 8-0-1. There was a tie to TCU, 0-0. Um, what do you think people wrote about that game, by the way? 0-0 tie. Can you imagine that? Is that like the Frank Beamer thing with against Wake Forest? He's like, <laughs> yeah! Oh, man. Were they in the Big Ten at that point? Oh, shut up. That team had outscored its opponents 261-32. Uh, Sagarin rankings honored it. We don't remember those details, though. What I remember in no. 2012 was, oh, crap, Deadspin has this photo of an AM fan that that took this this picture at the stadium comparing their accomplishment their national titles from last year as opposed to this year at the time that was, that was right. 2012. And somebody just noticed it. They were doing stadium renovations and they're adding all these things to it. And they also noticed that they added two like random division titles or something like that. And AM just got freaking roasted for it. None of the stuff yeah. that I just said there was brought up. It was, oh, AM's claiming national titles. So, and, and here's, here's the difference between, like, it's bad either way, but there's a difference between, hey, we've been claiming this really fake national title forever versus, eh, let's go back and claim that fake national title in, like, modern era. And also they years did it, later. Yeah, and they did it right as they were joining the SEC, which is just, oh, man. Yeah. I bet they, I bet they drive a jacked-up Ford Raptor as well. Just, I mean. Does it have oof. a Emmy? Oh, without a doubt, brother. And then they hop out and they're like 5'7". So it's like, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's You're taller than that. I said I said an inch lower. I'm like 5'8 and a half. That's a I, little okay. too close to home there. I don't, I don't like Six that. Six feet in the heart. Here we go. Um, no, but like, there's a difference between like, it, like that's a bad look. That Just just blatantly adding to your to your titles, ugh, like at, way after the fact, not even just a little after the fact, way after the fact. Speaking of that, 2013, Hugh Freeze. He tweets this brag picture, and it looks like your typical, you know, if you were just scrolling through your feed on Twitter, you probably would notice it. But people who looked a little bit closer at it are like, wait a minute, that's three national championship trophies 
Ole Miss, y'all got one title. What, what, are you, what are you trying to pull here? And Ole Miss quietly claimed the 1959 and 1962 titles. That was news because Syracuse was undefeated in 1959. They made a whole movie about it. Remember the Express, yeah. the Ernie Davis he, story? He deserved to win. No question. And yeah. everybody, so everybody remembers that. And they're like, wait a minute. They look at that on the surface. And they say, that's really bad. Why did Ole Miss all of a sudden claim these national titles? Berryman, Billingsley, Dunkel, all these polls went Dunkel. back. Dunkel. Yeah, Dunkel. Uh, they went back and gave Ole Miss these championships. In 1959, Ole Miss actually had a 350-21 to 21 scoring advantage, and they avenged their LSU loss. They essentially were like a more dominant 2011 Bama. I'm not saying that they would have beat 2011 Bama or yeah. anything like that. But Sagarin also declared the 1959 Ole Miss team as the third best team from 1956 to 1995, which if you go on Ole Miss's website, you'll find exactly that. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, and so the, and the issue with that, too, is I think they gave LSU in 59. Didn't they, didn't they give LSU the national championship? No, in, in 59, Syracuse was given the national championship. No, but I'm saying, like, hold on. In 59, oh, you're right, okay, you're right. What year am I, there's, there's a year where it was given to LSU, and LSU had lost to Ole Miss. Okay. And it was, it was like a retroactive thing where they had gone back and like, no, actually, LSU was a better team that year. So, Ole Miss, I, like, I had, I had a problem with, with two of theirs, but 1960, they were the national champion, I didn't think it was even close. Perfectly they had fair. a really, really good run. If a team went undefeated, I'm not going to sit here and like and and rip on them. That 1962 Ole Miss team went undefeated. They were 10 and 0. USC was 11 and 0. Yeah, the OJ Simpson team on I believe that was in 62 as well. But we don't remember that stuff. We remember all of a sudden Ole Miss is starting to claim national championships, and it was all of a sudden Hugh Freeze is an easy target. So these things happen every once in a while. And yeah. we're teams just try and kind of slide them past us. They try and do it in the sneakiest way possible. Nobody comes out with a release to the media saying, we are claiming the 1959 and 1962 no. national championships. They do it with a stadium renovation without announcing it. They'll do it in a media guide like Alabama did in the 1980s. They'll do it with a simple tweet that doesn't even acknowledge, oh, by the way, there are three times as many trophies as you probably expected in this and not acknowledge that. That's the way that these things are done, and that's yeah. also why they have such a bad rap. Yeah, with very good reason. Um, <laughs> my mouse not working. I think that, like, like I said, if you're going back to to retroactively claim it, that's a whole different thing. When you here we go, this is what I'm trying to bring up. 1960, the final AP poll. When you when you go through here and you see that Ole Miss went eight zero and one, it's hard to argue against that. But the amount of the amount of difference, I think, that you have, like like Syracuse, if you go undefeated, you don't get to be behind that team and then claim that you won the national title. And it's weird that if you're just like dusting off the old banners and then you're just like doing some stadium renovations, you're just going to throw these up there. I don't, not a good look. As long as somebody randomly like Litkin House or, or Coley acknowledges or, or, or Sagarin, as long as one of those, you know, random publications acknowledges, hey, look, I went back, I crunched the numbers, I didn't see a second right. of, of you playing, but I decided right. that you were definitely the best team in college football. To say that Ole Miss 
a team that wasn't even acknowledged as uh, an NCAA national champion was the third best team for a 40-year stretch is a wild claim. A wild claim. And that's not Ole Miss's fault or anything like that. And I, I get why Ole Miss would put something like that on its website. Why wouldn't you? But to me, it's like, that's that's how crazy these things can kind of be, and how like I'm not even definitively gonna sit sit here and say that's wrong. Believe it or not, I haven't sat there and crunched the film on the 1959 no. Ole Miss squad, but it's just a reminder of like these things are these things are all over the place. You you really have to have some context when you look at all of these. Yeah, and and I'm trying to think. They did have a a, a decent amount amount of uh, first place votes at the end of the season. I mean. The 59 squad. The, the 62, maybe it's the 62 uh, LSU team, which is more egregious, in my opinion. There are some ones that are that are very egregious, and we'll get to those a little bit later when we discuss what we think our, our three most yeah. egregious ones are. Um, also, I, I wanted to bring this up, too. 1950, just a mess. Looks oh my absolutely God. awful. I don't know how you would vote for a national champion a year in which... Oklahoma is ten and one, and Oklahoma was 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 given the national championship despite the fact that it lost to Kentucky in the Sugar Bowl. Kentucky had one loss that year, claimed the national championship. Tennessee had one loss that year. Who is it to? Kentucky. Tennessee right. claimed the national championship. A mess, a three-way mess that was like two thousand four before two thousand four. Yeah, and so. This one was weird, too, because it, it did play out a lot like 2000, well, kind of like 2004, except for there was all losses involved. But the fact that, so Oklahoma was undefeated the whole season, right? And then they get beat like 13-7, to 7, I want to say, from by, by Kentucky. What was weird about that was that Tennessee had played Kentucky like, two, like the week before, right? And Tennessee had, had beaten Kentucky. And I think they beat them pretty badly. And the, but Tennessee had already lost in the beginning of the season to Mississippi State. So they just kind of thought, like, oh, yeah, that's old news. That's fine. So all three of them claimed the national title. And Tennessee, I think, ended up higher than Kentucky in the polls. This is true. And that's part of, but that's part of the, the Bear Bryant thing as well. When you talk about his national championships and his ring, what he did at Kentucky in 1950. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it, it all is, is just so subjective. It's unbelievably yeah. subjective. And before a time in which we could say, let's just settle this on the field, this, this is what we had. And you couldn't yeah. just have, okay, let's, let's have some sort of a end of season way to determine this. For whatever reason, we refused that for so long in college football. And I guess maybe part of it's because like, the way we consumed news and media then was all strictly through newspaper. So sure. they, they took it upon themselves to be like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to name a national champion. We have this one. And you also have to think about how regionalized sports in general were at this point because people out west weren't talking about Alabama or Kentucky or Tennessee and, and just in the same way that people in the south weren't talking about USC nearly as much as, as they would now. Um, so I think that, that obviously goes into part of it. You're, I'm looking at the, uh, the final AP poll from 1950. Kentucky finished seventh. They voted before the bowl games were played, though, if, right. I'm, mis- if I'm not mistaken. No, which, no, that's correct. Which makes they, no they, sense whatsoever. No, but they've done that for, they did that up until like the 70s. Right, which I don't, I have no idea why you couldn't just have a final AP poll. Yeah. Which seemed to know. make the most sense. <laughs> like if you could well, do it during the season. Too, they only had, because I was going through here and I was like, man, they only played three ranked teams, but they were all in the top 10. And then you realize that the AP only did 
top 10 teams. They didn't do a top 25. This was back in the era, too, when you didn't have a, a, a determined national championship. There were schools like Minnesota who just wouldn't play in bowl games. They'd be like, we're 8-0. No, we're going to decline a bowl game. Right. So 1940, and we'll talk about that one, too, uh, with Tennessee, Michigan and Minnesota both claimed that national championship. Michigan and Minnesota only played eight games. Minnesota is a very frequent team on this on in this whole argument. The they show up two times for both of Alabama's, the unrecognized by the NCAA, yeah. and then they show up again with Tennessee. So they're on here three different times, and all of those seasons, Minnesota was eight and zero. So the the lack of the lack of games played. The fact that we had a system in which teams could play eight games and some teams could play 12 games in a yeah. season, it's like, what in the world were we doing? That 1960, I think the, the 1941 was, was pretty bad, but Minnesota did go undefeated that year. Um, the 1951, or I'm sorry, the 1961, that, that one, not okay. Just not okay. They, I, I don't think they were even close to being the best team. I think they had two ties. So Ole Miss, Ole Miss was recognized as national champs in 1960, though. Right. What, by the NCAA? By the NCAA. Yeah, they yes. deserve that one for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go on to the, um, the worst take that you can have about this debate. It's pretty obvious, and it's not, there's not a whole lot to it. But in my opinion, it's everybody claims national titles, so who really cares? Mm-hmm. Um, I've already said like it's, it's funny that teams think that they can just sort of slide this in. Yeah. But imagine if... If a team like Alabama just decided, oh, you know what? The Coley Matrix, Collie, Coley, whatever it is, uh, they gave us the 2016 title. So we're going to claim that. Like, if that happened now, right. and, we had, and we had stuff like that that, that came out in, in this current age of social media, or if Auburn decided, yeah, you know what? We lost to, to Florida State in the 2013 title game, but we're going to claim that. Or Like, we would rip these teams we oh, would doubt. blast them because the system is different now but there was so much room for for subjectivity in all of this yeah but that's why people get so offended by all of this is because we're trying to figure out who the bigger fraud is so yeah. to just say that none of it matters i think is probably it's 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 a bad take because you're not acknowledging the current context of it of how we would react to this in 2020 if you just want to say any claim national title before 1970 is bogus. I guess that's that's okay, but well, so this was happening that, way too long. I think that's also a, a one of the dumber takes you could have. And, yeah. I, and I wrote this one specifically from the Bama standpoint because, again, Bama is the what what everyone assumes and everyone talks about is the most the biggest repeat offender of this, and that is that is like the stereotype about Bama fake national titles, and and there are ones that should be argued. That's fine, like, but. But there's one that should be argued. That's fine. But when you look at stuff like, when you say like they don't count from like the 20s, there should be a time when they should count from, from like that date moving forward. And I think a lot of people consider it 1934 when the AP poll finally came about. However, the teams before that, like you talk about with A&M, there's some dominant football teams from those times that like, I, that I, I'm not going to, I don't think should be necessarily counted against if they claim those national titles. Like I looked at this the other day. From 20, the Bama has 25, 26, 30, and 34, right? And people say they should not count those because they're from before 30. No, I'm sorry, 36? Was that when the AP was? Uh, I think it was 36. I think it was 36. So those four national titles, some people think, shouldn't be counted at all. They went 10-0, and 
They had a season where they they had seven total points they allowed, 27 total points they allowed, and 13 total points they allowed. They went 39-0-1 in those four years. So to take those away just because it was before, and they, and they won the Rose Bowl against a Pac-12 team. It wasn't like they were just playing, you know, teams that were close by. I, I don't think it's necessarily right to take those away. It's definitely wrong to go back and claim them if somebody like this is like, has some kind of metric they're using and just, you know, because they want to have a website and talk about college football and stats. That is dumb. Um, I, I would think that that is one of the more, that, that's one of the dumber arguments, in my opinion. Can we collectively as a podcast create a formula and no. just let's just start retroactively giving national titles away? All we want to do, if we do nothing else in this business, have Stanford acknowledge the SDS national title from 1941. <laughs> yeah, if we could just do that, I think that we would, we, that's when we'll know that we've made it. We're talking about Billingsley yeah. and Litkin House today. Why can't we put the groundwork in right now, come up with a formula now, nobody has to know about it. And that's the other thing right. too, is some of these formulas, people don't even know how they're, how they're being decided. They give you the bare basic of like, yeah. this is what we're valuing, but they're not giving you their actual equation. And right. just coming up with it. I, I would love to find out years after the fact that one of these publications just decided, you know what? I took the teams in the top 25, I picked them out of a hat, and I just decided yeah. to give out national titles. I'm just honestly just trying to make some friends on the internet. That's the only reason I did it. Uh, that being said, I was going to say this at the end, but if we're giving out national titles, here are your top three, four. Ooh, go ahead. 83, Auburn. That's number one. Actually, it's 1A, 1B. 66, Bama. The Michigan State Notre Dame tie. Yep, they had, that's fair. Bama was repeat national titles and went undefeated. But hey, somehow dropped. Notre Dame and Michigan State faced off game of the century. One of the many tied. Yeah, ten to ten. Anyway, uh, seventy-seven Bama, um, who lost on the road at like number eight Nebraska, played five teams in the top ten that year. Five teams, and they ended up winning the rest of their games. Won the Sugar Bowl, whatever else. And then 64, Arkansas. But, you know, and one thing I will say to kind of defend some of these, these publications that, that make these national titles, one of the most egregious things I saw when I was looking back at this is the, there was one trump card over everything. Like, everyone talks about now how Bama gets Bama bias and all kind of stuff in the media or SEC bias in the media. Notre Dame and, and also Michigan, but mainly Notre Dame, if you had a tie, if you had a loss, and they had the same or better, there's no chance you were getting a national title that year. There was so some of these teams that were really good and you know, kind of on the outside looking in, like an Arkansas team or even some of those Ole Miss teams like Bama in '66, where you have you have Notre Dame, who's just everyone has on this giant, giant pedestal for whatever reason, and they were allowed to do things that were a little bit different than everyone else. Like they were allowed to just be like, well, we went 10-0 and one. That's a national title, and then it was just it was just recognized from everyone. So I, I'm glad there was at least some publications that try to give other teams, I guess, like their, their yeah, day in the sun. That's fair. So. I was surprised that there weren't any Notre Dame arguments to be made for these 11 cases that we're talking about here in terms mm -hmm. of claim national titles that are not acknowledged by the NCAA. That was one of the things that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this. I did not know a, a ton about this subject. I'll be 100% honest. Yeah. I thought A&M was going to be way more egregious. And I've said on this podcast before, I've made, I've made jabs here and there. And I remember the headlines. I don't remember the actual claims itself. Like, A&M actually has the, the 1919 title 
recognized by the NCAA now, which That's is crazy. which is kind of crazy to think, but it's like, well, I mean, don't allow a point. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, true. that's that's fair. You've you've kind of talked us into it. I thought Some it was going to be. Some of those teams were like that too under under Neyland, but I think those are the ones that were actually recognized. Yes, I, and I believe that I believe that as well. But that was, I, I was very surprised with the the A and M angle, and I thought I was I was just going to tee off on A and M, and yeah, and actually, if we're being one hundred percent honest, I don't have the A and M one in my three most egregious. So. I of course I have I have my most egregious, but I I want to give you guys a little appetizer first because you can't like I'm too long winded for just do the minimum best appetizer of all time, mozzarella sticks. Give me a mozzarella okay, sure. stick. Um, 1957 Auburn, which is actually recognized by the NCAA. Oh, okay. They were on probation. Happens. They were on probation for cheating violations, which I didn't even know you could make in 1957. Because I don't know how you even get that found out. Like, what were you buying somebody? Like, it's just like, I got your milk this month, brother. I got all that. I, so they, they were on probation, which was recognized by the NCAA. That's why they couldn't go to a bowl game. And they somehow still were allowed to win the national title. Okay. That would have been essentially like 2012 Ohio State with Urban Meyer being allowed to win a national championship while on probation. They went undefeated that year. Couldn't compete in a postseason game. Yeah. Weird to think about that possibility. It would have been like 93 Auburn, who also went undefeated and was on probation. What do you think they they did in 57? Do we know that? No, I don't. I don't know that. But regardless, it's still... uh, I I thought that one's pretty egregious. I'll just... I'll say that. Um, My mind is racing now. I'm trying to figure out all these possibilities, how Auburn could have been put on probation in 57. Sending... Um, an envelope of cash to the wrong address or something I, like that. Yeah, that ended up in the wrong like hands. Exactly happened with SMU, but um, anyway, that one for sure. Uh, I'll say this one: ne- 1967 Tennessee. Actually, that'll probably make the top three. Um, yeah, that, I'll just, that I'll is give you in that my one top three. Yeah. I'll give you that one for now. Okay, there you go. Let's go into it then. I'll do 1967 Tennessee. It's rough. They won the Litkin House national title, so golf clap, golf there you clap. Go. Proud of you guys. Tennessee in 1967 lost two games. Lost two Damn. games. Lost to uh, they were not, they were nine and two that season. USC, who was recognized as the national champs, they were ten and one. That might actually have been. I think that was the OJ team. I misspoke earlier when mm-hmm. I said 62. He's not that old. Um, so that 67 Tennessee team, Coach Doug Dickey said at the 50th anniversary party with the 67 team, he's quoted as saying, when you beat Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Ole Miss, you've done pretty well. You know, you know what national championships aren't supposed to honor? <laughs> Playing pretty <laughs> well. Yeah. I just I acknowledge the fact that a 9-2 season is, is a good, not great season. USC that year beat four teams that were ranked in the top five and had one loss and had less losses than Tennessee. But still, that 67 title, for whatever reason, Tennessee decided to claim that. I, I don't get that. That's definitely so, one, one of my three most egregious. The other thing about that was Tennessee, they played three They played three ranked teams all year. They lost two of them, finished 9-2. and two. USC and Wisconsin... Uh, 
I'm sorry, yeah, you already said this. Uh, USC finished 10-1 and beat three top five teams. There's no way they should have claimed that. There's absolutely no way they should have claimed that. I love it. It's great. How about for 1940 Tennessee is also in my yes. most egregious. They claimed the national title despite the fact that they lost a bowl game to Boston College. Now, here's the amazing thing about that. Wait, so you, this is your second one? I actually had um, I had 67 Tennessee tied with with 41 Bama as my okay. most as my most egregious. Uh, so 40 Tennessee, the the team that they lost a, a bowl game to Boston College. That Boston College team was 11 and 0, and the NCAA does not acknowledge them as national champions. <laughs> They're fifth in the AP poll. <laughs> That's crazy. Minnesota is the undefeated national champ of that season. They beat three top 15 teams. Tennessee lost to the only top 15 team that it faced that year, yet it still tried to claim, and that which was Boston College, still tried to claim that title. I don't, I don't see 40 getting acknowledged by the NCAA anytime soon. Can't see. To be happen. fair, they also that Tennessee team also had 11 games, uh, 10 before the bowl game. They had eight shutouts. True. Pretty shutouts, good. Shutouts were a little bit more common then. I will say that. Right. But you Maybe lost really your bowl game to Boston College. You so, lost the end of the season. I, I don't. I don't get that. My thing was the fact that they had three teams that were ranked ahead of them, um, and Stanford was 10 and 0, Michigan and Minnesota were the other ones, and they were 8 and 0 and 7 0 and 1. So all three better, and I think Minnesota's or Michigan's. Actually, I don't remember what the Michigan thing was. I, that one was really surprising to me. I, I wouldn't have necessarily put it second. Um, they weren't playing but, bowl games, and I think that's what—that's yeah. why Tennessee felt, oh, hey, we played more games. We should be able to, to step in and take this. We- yeah, I think um, – so for me, my number two was 1959 Ole Miss. Okay. Just strictly because of the fact that – I mean, Syracuse was undefeated. Like, I don't, I don't – what are we doing here? The one thing that I'll say about that year for, for Ole Miss and why I did it, because that would have probably been, like, my – number four or something like that mm-hmm. um i think that that team had a, a massive scoring advantage massive mm-hmm. scoring advantage like they outscored teams 350 to 21 i mean that is that's crazy that is absolutely insane and so from and, and they because i said like they avenged their loan loss to lsu which they lost to them in the regular season and then beat them in in the sugar bowl that year mm-hmm. as well yeah which was also weird yeah, <coughs> they, they played LSU in the Sugar Bowl. I don't know how that happened or what what they did to determine the Sugar Bowl participants because it wasn't just geographical at the time, if I'm not mistaken. I know they always had an SEC team <coughs> there, but yeah, weird, weird move. So I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt just because they avenged that loss and they were considered so dominant, but I probably would have had them at number four just because of the USC thing. Like Yeah. Or, or not USC, but, but Syracuse. The, right. Syracuse was so dominant. That and year. also, but so and then Syracuse went on to the Cotton Bowl. Because remember, they had the option. I, I remember this from the movie, too. They had the option to sit at home and not play in a bowl game. The Minnesota they didn't take it. Yeah. So they decided to go play in the bowl game and play Texas, who's in the top five, in Texas, and they beat them. Pretty so good. It's hard, it's hard to say that you deserved it more than that person Texas, or that team. Texas at the time, mad racist. Mad yeah, racist. Fun fact about that state. Nice. It was not very good. That's a good movie, though. The Express. Yeah. If you haven't watched that movie, you should go watch it. I think it's a, isn't it a Disney movie? Mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah, very good, though. Can we talk 1941 Bama? Yeah, this is number one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 1941 Bama is the worst. It's it's not even close. 
Bama got shut out by Vandy in Mississippi State. Oh, boy. If that happens to Saban, does he survive the season? Hold on. I'm trying to go back to 41 now. <laughs> uh, no. It, I mean, well, I don't know. That's Here's, just, I mean, it, it's it's funny that the two, <laughs> two teams they lost to were like the, traditionally like the worst two teams. Yep. In the, um, and, and not just lost to, got shut out by. Right. Um, Wayne Atchison, the... Alabama Sports Information Director. If I if ever I say SID, by the way, that's yeah. that's what that is. Um, head of head of media, all things media at a given school. Every every school has media departments, all that stuff. Wayne Atchison claimed these national championships after Bear Bryant died in the eighties. Right. Put all these in media guides, and they were all before Bear got to Bama. So Bama's title count jumped from six to eleven. He has this quote in this AL.com story in twenty ten where he says, I tried to make Alabama football the best it could look and just make it as great as it could possibly be. I was a competitor myself with the other schools and what they bragged about and boasted about, I wanted people to know the best about my school. That's a tough look. Yeah, he lied. I mean, <laughs> this, this is, that's, he, they finished 20th. <laughs> In the SEC, in the, uh, I'm sorry, in the AP poll. But they won their and bowl game against A&M, so you know they what? They lost, not only did they lose, they got shut out in both those games against Vandy and Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, I don't even, they played one ranked team the whole year, which was Tulane, and they beat them 19-14. to 14. Um, they, Yeah, I don't get it. Like, the, honestly, I, I totally understand. Like, a lot of the, the stuff that people say about Bama and how they claim all these fake national titles and as you can see now that we've like looked back at it it's not as egregious i think the, as many that they claim like yeah. they're not even close to being as, it's it's one it's one and it, listen it's one really, real bad we one. could yeah, yeah and we it's real bad we could do we could go back and look at some of the actual stuff that uh like some of the teams that should have won like that could be a, a fun debate on south in general but i say this with jay woody all the time and and i'm i'm partially saying it admittedly because it's I'm biased towards Bama but like if we're going to sit here and knock this one there's a couple in there that you should also be given to Bama <laughs> like 77 66 there's there's at least two or three more that like could replace it so I'm fine with that I will say even as a fan this has been my favorite team since I was growing up and I, I've I've had you know 12 national titles like back when Bama wasn't any good that was like it's like when the Yankees sucked they're like well we got 27 World Series titles bro it's the worst all right but like even as a fan now, take the, excuse my language, Will, take this shit down from Seriously. the stadium. Take, take the flag down. Stop claiming it. It is, it is, you have 17 quote unquote national titles, which is more than any other school. Even if you didn't claim this one, you would have at least, I think, five more than, or four more than any other school in the country. Michigan has 11. Notre Dame has 11. There's no reason to sit here and, and claim this one, which is obviously not real. It's obviously not like a valid, there's no argument to even be made for it. Here's the thing. I think the PR move would actually be, it would be beneficial. People, yeah. we, you know how we would say if, if, uh, if Auburn all of a sudden claimed the 2013 national championship or something wild like that, we would rip them. Yeah. Well, 2004, I wouldn't rip them for 2004 as much, but they would get they 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 would get publicly shamed because of the timing because yeah. Bama had the decade of dominance and it's looking like they're just trying to compete with Bama and that's what people would say despite the fact that Auburn went undefeated that season. But the issue is and I I think that that people run into this as well as opposed to like why don't they just take this title away? Why don't they just decide, you know what? Let's yeah. let's wash our hands of it. Let's pretend this didn't happen. 
I think there's there's a certain amount of pride factor with some of the ancestors. I don't know if they have any anybody any living members of that 41 team who are still alive. If they have yeah. you know some sort of connection to the university, if there's something there, then then all right, like I get why there would be that hesitancy. But the issue is we're going to continue. If this is ever discussed, we have to talk about 41 Bama, yeah. and it made it worse with Atchison's responses. Are bad, and he said, yeah. you know, his re- his whole reasoning for justifying the forty-one title. He said that the MSU loss came in the rain, and that the Vandy loss was close, but by the end of the season, Bama was the best team in the country. So, okay. if- here's why that's a problem with that is because, hold on a second, Connor, let me bring up the season schedule because I have it in front of me here. <laughs> They lost to Vanderbilt on November 22nd. Right. <laughs> they played one more game against unranked Miami on the road at Miami and won 21-7, to and then they won their bowl game by eight. Against what are you talking about? A winning streak to, the, to end the season. I That's think. a winning streak. That, if, if Atchison was at A&M in, oh my in, God. Tw- in 2012, oh, man, he would have claimed the crap out of that national championship. As Dude. you often say, oh, yeah. a was the best team in the country at the end of the 2012 he, season. He also, they also, even even then, played two, I'm going to call them F, FCS schools. They played Louisiana and Samford. Those are two of the wins. So, yeah, this is, this is terrible. I mean, this is absolutely, it's egregious and terrible. And it's, it's hands, honestly, in, in my opinion, it's done, it's done more to hurt the, like, not Bama's public image because they still have all of these national titles. I mean, bottom line, I don't care how this sounds. I've said this repeatedly. Like, Auburn fans will say to me all the time, there's a, there's a guy from an Auburn podcast, and I don't know who he is. He blocked me on Twitter now. But, like, when I, I talk about the teams, the best teams that, were, that never won a national title, and, like, a, you know, about a month or so ago on Twitter, he was very quick to jump in on the 1941 thing. And it was like, I, I don't know if he knew I was a Bama fan or not, but that's an odd thing to bring up right away. If just, like, something that happened almost 80 years ago, right? That's a weird thing to bring up. Again, they've won more in the last decade than most schools will ever see, or, or have, they won more in an Olympiad than, than a lot of SEC schools have won in their entire program history, right? Yeah. It still does more to hurt their image, in my opinion, especially no all the ones before, 90, or before Bear Bryant, and it does more to hurt the sport of college football. Like when you have this kind of stuff with UCF, you're like, well, Bama does it. That's that's a bad look, and it, you don't need to have it. Like if no, I, at all. You, you mean like if, if I was in a in a what's the most applicable thing here? If I was in a donut eating competition Ooh. and I ate thirteen donuts, which let's go on the record and let you know right now, I definitely could. And the next closest person ate six donuts, and I barely got down that thirteenth donut. I'd be okay with claiming twelve donuts because I still had so many more donuts than every other person. So it makes no sense for Bama to. It blows my mind. Blows my mind that like this, they would do this as a school. You know what? I I actually, as you were saying that, as you're talking about not being able to hold down donuts, I thought about. It's a little bit like Barry Bonds taking steroids. You didn't yeah. need to do it. You would have been a Hall of Famer, one of the best outfielders of all time, without steroids. But you did it anyways, and right. it sort of taints. It sort of taints how we talk about you, and all of a sudden it's just mm-hmm. this ammo that people have unnecessarily where if you had just been able to say like look we're happy with what we have we're not going to reach for or do anything that's outside of our means we're going to stay you know with with what we think that we are capable of you would have been fine but yeah, yeah. it's going to continue to be something that that people bring up all doing all of this research and giving myself a headache 
all it made me think of is, thank God we have the college football playoff. Thank yeah. God. Um, one more I wanted to bring up, too, is that uh, – that 62 Ole Miss things, my, uh, this, this has not been a fun exercise for my ADD because it's just like there's so many different years and there's not like a correct order we're yep. going in. Um, 62 Ole Miss, they went 10-0, and right? And they were, really, they were good. They were a good football team. But USC and Wisconsin were ranked 1-2 and two and also undefeated and played each other in the Rose Bowl. And USC beat them. And USC beat them. So like that's, that's, I, I feel like that's, that's the main reason why I think that was bogus. So... Um, there's a bunch, man. There's a, and it, it would be fun to go back maybe and, and look at some of the ones that should claim a title. I think, I think there's, there's a couple of schools like what, what frustrates me about this thing with Bama is Bama gets so much attention anyway. And, and I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of that school. They get so much attention from whether it's like on media or whether it's on, you know, Sports Center every year or College Game Day or all that kind of stuff. Some of these schools that like put together really good years. And, and don't have the benefit of being that name brand. Like Arkansas in 64, the fact they don't even have a share of the title is absolute bullshit, in my opinion. And I just, it, like that kind of stuff, it, it, would, it would frustrate me as a fan base that, that that school didn't get like a little bit more love. So we should maybe go back and look at those. That sounds like a very fun exercise that I am totally excited oh, yeah. about after doing this research. If we can't think of a better one. <laughs> I cannot wait to circle back to that. It was, yeah. it was just it was trying to find all these different publications. Not fun. Why, when yeah. this publication all of a sudden decided that it wasn't going to be in existence, did this publication vote this at the time? Were they retroactive? Right. Don't do this at home, kids. Do not no. do this oh, at home. Geez. I have a, uh, a different Debates Down South column that we're not going to do in podcast form. Okay. Maybe, maybe we will if there's enough of a demand for it. But I did... Um, Biggest bus in the NFL mm. that the SEC has ever produced. So I narrowed the list down to six. Check that out on SaturdayDownSouth.com. Check out all of our social media account. Marler, you're crushing it over the weekend. A lot of great graft rela- draft-related graphics. That's a mouthful. Ugh. You know what was a little frustrating about that, Connor? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I spent a lot of time trying to learn how to do all that and make it look really good because our graphic design guys uh, moved on to some other things. So I was like, that's fine. And he's, and he's like, obviously a lot better than I am at this stuff. So I, I spent way too much time overthinking and re-overthinking how to make the perfect graphic for this thing. And then in the end, the only one that ever, like the, the ones that got the most likes were just screenshotting a tweet of the same thing we already listed, just like the numbers. I was like, cool, all right, yep. noted. Welcome to the social media in 2020, as you know all too well. The plan temporarily, I said that, I, and I think we should do this. Maybe we can just decide this right now. I think we should do a Mississippi State game for It Just Meant More. We have yet to do a game featuring the Bulldogs. I realize we talked a lot about MSU mm-hmm. in the 2014 season one that we did for It Just Meant More. But I have an idea that I'll bounce off of you after we sign off because I don't want to officially commit to this just yet, but that we can talk about for uh, for Mississippi State. So that is What, that year, is did Bama, what year did they lose to Bama that we want, you want to do? No, it's not a year that, we, that, that they lost to Bama, actually. Um, I think I know which one you're gonna say, and we'll see. We'll we should you know what we should do is ask Sarthak, our boy. Ooh, no. 
that's that's not a bad idea. Let's uh, we'll figure it out though. We'll we'll figure it out, and we will be back. That's going to be on Sunday. We will have uh, Casual Friday as well. Still, still figuring out our plans for what we want to do with that. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed our interview with Mark Stoops. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed Stump Marler. Having a lot of fun with that. We're gonna we'll get better. At that. We will get better at that. I promise. Oh man, oh, Wayne Atchison. What do we need to remember? Oh God. This is the best podcast in the history of podcasts. We actually have the biggest numbers, the biggest fan base, biggest audience. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. it. It might mean too much. Talk to you guys soon.